0: You're listening to the Talking Tough podcast, brought to you by Dr. Martins and hosted by me, Georgia Moo. I'm a model and presenter from London, and on this podcast, I'll be talking all things tough with our guests. So, in times like these, it's harder than ever to feel tough. That's why we decided to bring back the podcast, hopefully bring you some light relief and inspiration. For today's episode, I caught up with Lotte van Eyck and Travis Alabanza via Zoom. Lotta is a body positivity activist, YouTuber and influencer. Travis is an artist and performer, most famed for their hit show Burgers, which was inspired by a transphobic incident on Waterloo Bridge. Hope you enjoy listening and stay safe. So I was thinking we could just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourselves. Uh, I'm 23 years old
1: and I'm, as you already said, an activist, body activist, plus size model and also influencer YouTuber, so everything online. And um, yeah, I really fight for uh, equality of everybody and everyone being treated the same and also the fashion industry that... Uh, we get a, a range of more bodies than only size zeros and only uh, skinny white girls, basically. Um, so that's what I really fight for. I started off as a photographer and I started photographing myself and my body uh, in Art Academy. And then I was like, okay, I need to bring this to a space where more people can see uh, instead of only the people who enter white spaces and who enter like um, the white box halls as in galleries and in art expos, so I wanted to include all people
0: so that's when I choose social media as my weapon. I love it and Travis would you like to expand a bit on your career too? Sure.
2: Um, it's so nice to be here virtually I'm glad I made it through the congestion from my living room upstairs to my bedroom um, it was rush hour today uh, but I'm a, I'm an artist and a theatre maker and a writer um, I guess How people started to get to know me, though, is that uh, before theatres and um, writing institutions and newspapers were giving me attention, um, I used online as a platform to showcase my art. Um, Before, I guess now, if you look, and I get to write regularly for lots of places, but I didn't always have that. And there was a lot of time where stages and theatres didn't want a young working class black queer kid on their stages. So I would use Instagram, webcams, Twitter to kind of talk about the politics that became behind my show. So a lot of my work is talking about gender, about queerness, about race. And yeah, as you were saying, uh, a burger was thrown at me um, in broad daylight uh, in London, and I decided to turn it into a cooking theatre show.
0: It sounds like you have both taken quite non traditional routes into getting where you are in your career and this idea that if you don't see yourself being represented then you kind of have to make the space for yourself yeah. um wondering if you could maybe expand on that a bit about how you found the relationship between your identity and your career
1: um well i actually wrote a piece um i i guess a week ago for a magazine about this and i ask like the question like if I if I was not looking like this if I wasn't fat would I be doing what I'm doing right now Uh, because my whole life revolves around being fat and everything I do is actually connected with it you know because uh, uh in my earlier days when I was younger I Repulsed being fat and and i hated it and i was always fighting it but now i i think my whole existence and my career and making money off of being fat you know basically so for me it is it is something that is um bound together yeah definitely
0: does that ever get difficult separating the personal from the professional do you ever struggle with kind of finding that balance or feeling like tipping one way or the other
1: Yeah, sometimes when I'm like in in a talk show or in in an interview with someone and, um, you know, when when you do things like this, people are very positive and they want to know your story and they are all like, yes, we understand you and we understand what you're doing. Sometimes when I come in a talk show and there are people who don't know about me, they don't know who I am, they don't know about body positivity or about, uh, you know, that that kind of activism, they ask me like, yeah, but it's very unhealthy to be uh, overweight you know and then i'm like okay i need to separate myself from this as in he's not attacking me he's, atta- he's attacking um uh, the weight concerns and blah, blah blah about being fat sometimes that's very hard yeah and it's often when it comes down to health problems with fat and like health issues that people have with being fat that's when i get triggered and that's when i have to really yeah separate myself
2: We don't have, so many marginalized people don't have the option to be neutral. I think that like so often people will say, how come you bring your identities into so many different things? And I always wonder, well, what identities get to be neutral and talk about something without their identity being put on it, you know? Um, It made me think about how, when my show was doing really well at Edinburgh Fringe, so many of the reviews wouldn't ever just call me a writer or call me a performer or call me a theatre maker. They would put X, Y, Z identity before that. And I was like, okay, so it's you actually that's not neutralising my identity, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you explained that actually uh, really well as to the idea of people, no matter how you no matter how you are, people are going to put certain labels on you just by the way that you look, by the way that you sound, by the way that you dress. You know, in some way, it's going to be brought to the forefront of your existence. Um, And like you said, it's a great privilege for someone to be able to kind of move through the world without having an identifying factor put on them. I think I'm kind of in the same uh, online spaces as you guys and like a lot of my friends are in different activism roles. I speak a lot on mental health and, you know, uh, diversity. And I really kind of have immersed myself in that. Oh, I've cultivated that as my online culture. And then yeah. once you go into like everyday life, you realize that in a way the culture that you have online is almost a bit of an echo chamber. And it's a, such a lovely one and such a necessary one. And it's such a community. But then do you ever find that transition to how people treat you in real life? Do you ever find that shocking?
2: that shift into the real world is kind of one that's made me push even you know i'm all about breaking binaries but also breaking the binary of irl and url because i think to me as someone that grew up on the internet and grew up having to find you know the only queer kids i knew at an early age were in these chat rooms and like the you cultivate the spaces you are you want to be in but it's unrealistic to think that the world can hold all of us and i think what i do is i make sure that if the world is going to be tough to me you know if i'm going out into the world in a dress and the world is going to call me a man in a dress and all these different things that i make sure that when i go home online that i have a space that will recuperate me for what i know i might experience the next day
1: amen
0: I just wanted to ask you, Travis, obviously your play was born out of a situation, like a, a negative situation that happened to you and a really horrible one. And I'm really sorry that happened. Um, but then you kind of turned it around into your own personal uh, production. And I don't want to say like turned a negative into a positive, but you kind of, you ingested it and then yeah, like you made it, you know, you kind of owned it. And I just wondered for both of you, how have you kind of gone through your career showing resilience? Um,
1: you know, there, there were certain events in my life as well. And I guess that this starts with everyone who speaks up. That things happen to you of which are like, this is not fair. This shouldn't have happened to me in the first place. This is, I don't want it to happen to anyone else. You know, I guess that was where everything that I do came from you know I got rejected uh from a dance academy when I was like 14 I auditioned because I wanted to be a dancer and they didn't let me in because I was too fat they were like "Uh, you can't do this because you are fat that was one of the events in my life of which I was like oh my god I am literally being discriminated because of my weight so I guess that that was uh that was a thing that I could be like I could have handled it like oh My god, I'm gonna now hide myself and I need to lose weight and I need to uh, uh, be thinner and thinner and then I'm gonna audition again. But no, there was something in my head that was like, Fuck you, fuck your institution. I am gonna show you that in a couple of years, you'll be looking at me, you'll see my name, and you'll be like, Is that the girl that auditioned? Fuck, we should have let her in, you know. I think from a young age when I had to sh- go shopping for clothes and I didn't fit fit the things of like the section I should have shopped as a child, you know, I should, I went to, um, woman's clothing very early because I didn't fit the, the child's apartment. So as a child, I was always like, why is this, you know, why can't I just get a t-shirt with a rainbow on it? And why do I have to wear like a brown shirt of like woman's department? you know? Um, so I guess from a young age, I was already understanding the, uh, the unfairness of the whole situation and just being like, I want to change something about this. My grandma was always was also a fat woman. And uh, because my mom didn't really understand my struggle, I really had this fighting against the kilos with my grandma. Uh, and then when I was 15, she passed away uh, because of cancer. And she lived her whole life dieting, not drinking alcohol, not smoking, not enjoying anything because she was always focusing on losing weight. And that was the goal of, you know, being happy and then at the end you know you don't eat there's so much morphine and so she she lost she lost a lot of weight and then she told me like well uh, luckily in the end I still became thin and then I was like know what are you saying like you are you are dying you are dying of cancer and you are still happy that you are thin at the end and I was like no 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 no. this is not the life that I want to live and this is not something that I want to happen to other grandmas or other uh, grandchildren or other girls like why should you live a life of 65 years which is way too young um just living to to the needs of someone else to for someone else to see you small to want to see you smaller be smaller and not have enjoyed anything like like I was thinking like were you happy in your life were you actually happy with yourself and with with everything and she wasn't
0: so that was the moment that I decided like this is I'm a stop to be kind of 14 and have that rejection and then be 15 and lose a significant person in your life and to be able to use those things and kind of internalize them but in a you know not let them kind of sink into yourself or not let you be the issue and understanding i think shows a great deal of resilience and um it was quite emotional as well because it's the idea that that is how important society's priority like that's how like messed up society's priorities are i mean it sounds like from both of your experiences maybe had to mature at quite a young age
2: yeah, I would say that like, well, I think it was first like was what I was really resonating with about what you said is that like, I think there's a really key moment where you decide that you are not to blame for what is happening and that you are not the wrong thing here, the system they're thinking is. And I think that uh, when I was hearing what you were talking about going up, that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, here's this commonality of like, that switching moment when you go, hold on a minute, everyone losing their minds about how I am, everyone losing their shit, i don't think that's about me i think that's about them and, yeah and i think that forces you to mature yourself because i think you know uh for me i grew up in in you know a council estate in 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 the southwest of england where like you know it's hard enough there but then also being someone that wears makeup from a young age or is gender non-conforming uh in a big big comprehensive school it's a uh, it's a battle. you've got to be ready for the battle. You've got to be ready for the battle. you've got to know you got to know what the battle is, and you've got to like, really get to know it. And I think that that awareness of yourself is forced on you in a heightened sense because you're seeing how aware people are of you. you know I could experience suddenly um, I went, when I started deciding to maybe uh, express my gender more fluidly, I watched suddenly myself go from being invisible. Too highly visible, you know, suddenly no one was paying attention to me. I was quite a skinny, small kid to like, wait, what's this kid doing? Because they are wearing makeup and flamboyant and the whole world's on you. And I think that forces you to mature because you have to carry more weight than you're used to. You have to carry yep. people's eyes, you have to keep your judgment, you know. Uh, I think that we, we pretend that all kids are given this kind of blanket safety of not being targeted or attacked. And then I think when you're a marginalized body or a marginalized child, uh, you learn really quickly. You learn quicker about the violence that the world gives you. But I think the good thing, you know, there's lots of positives about that. And I think sometimes, you know, people that have experienced resilient, like have to be resilient or have gone through stuff, I think are some of the most self-aware people I meet are people with so much laser sharp focus on who they are and what they want. Um, come into a room, and I'm like, "Oh, I know that you know yourself, or you know it, or you're in de- or you know that how you want to treat other people because of how you've been treated." So um, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, wow, yes, it would have been easier if maybe the world didn't punish me for wearing dresses." But I also think it builds me to be a more compassionate person to others. You know?
0: Yeah, I think that's really beautiful, and it yeah. it also sounds like it makes you a more secure person and I don't mean that as in that you don't face insecurities but that you are more secure in yourself than some other people are
2: definitely there's loads of things I'm insecure about you know like everyone else but my gender and my gender expression and how I choose that ain't one of them like I'm like oh you're welcome you know like uh like there's no apology there of course that doesn't mean that there's loads of other things I have to work on constantly but I think you're right when you're targeted for something so early, if you can get through that hard moment, the other flip side of it afterwards is going like, oh, you're the one that's got this wrong. I'm so yeah. glad I'm gender nonconforming. I'm so glad that I'm not letting something as arbitrary as a binary of male or female decide what clothes I want to wear or decide how I'm going to be. Like, I'm so glad I'm not letting what a doctor told my mum that I was before I could even talk affect the decisions I make now yeah. years later. That sounds yes. silly to me.
0: I wanted to move on to talking more specifically about this time that we're in now because it would be very uh, ignorant of us to kind of pretend like this is not happening or sweep it under <laughs> the rug so I was just wondering quite simply how are you both holding up in these times um yeah well uh, it is like
1: uh, because of an influencer and youtuber and etc there i already did a lot from home you know what i mean um i also teach dance classes so that's all canceled because of corona uh so we can get together in a room Uh, but we're also doing that online right now like the dance classes we do online so um i do think that the online platform it was like in the beginning of corona it was so chaotic and it was so uh, intense and now I feel like there are so much people who are coming up with so many creative ideas to entertain each other I guess and to uh, keep each other company because some people are really like alone alone in their house and they have no contact with anyone with no family they live alone etc and now I think that the, the online platform is such a beautiful thing where you can still connect with people and still be able to not feel alone throughout the internet. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's really, um, a beautiful thing that happened as well that there are so much solutions coming up. And, uh, that's why my work's actually, I'm busier than normal, literally because of this. And I'm doing so much during the day, um, for, uh, yeah, for my community and for my followers and for everyone to just, um, keep everyone standing I guess so yeah I'm fine
2: I mean it, this is why it's so great when there's more than one person on a podcast you get to hear like that I'm fine and then you get to hear like also I guess I'm like not okay but okay in the sense that like I mm-hmm. am, on the day-to-day I'm getting up I'm trying to do my thing I'm learning my new routine um but I also think for me it's like really hard to switch off I'm trying to learn how to switch off from you know the mass amount of global suffering that's like happening in like so many different ways. And I feel like the pandemic for me has brought up all the things we knew already existed, you know, like uh class barriers, you know, racial barriers. But I think we're seeing them even plainer in, in plainer sight. And so this week I've allowed myself to only look at the news for one hour a day. And that means I'm so much better. And not feeling selfish about having to not be switched on all the time to what's going mm-hmm. on. And now I've kind of think I'm relaxing into, this is the first time in four years where I've had a week where I'm not doing anything.
0: Are there? I wanted to ask, are there any specific parts of your career or your identity that have impacted how you're living in this time?
2: I think it's made me realise how lucky I am to be in a house where i can be who i want to be and not face fear of anything and i realized that i was trying to think it's it's funny because obviously we have so much time to ourselves to think uh that like um i was thinking i was like oh if this happened four years ago how would i be holding up in this right now if this happened two years ago and it was a really good way for me to realize like okay yes i'm struggling in a specific way but wow if this was four years ago like look how much like more privilege and ability and mobility I have um, and I was like wow actually four years ago I wouldn't have been able to be in a place or a house where I could get dressed up um, uh, to make myself feel better on a day or have oh. a green screen behind me and pretend that I'm in a club and do some drag and all of this and I really made me think that wow um, so many queer and specifically trans people that are having to isolate with family that they can't
1: yeah. even well, yeah.
2: around, you know and I, and I think that's what's made me realize i'm very lucky to have i live with my like chosen family and i'm very lucky to to have that yeah
1: i guess people were also really pressing on being productive during this pandemic and also being like you should find out new things that you can do and as in you know uh uh, reinvent yourself and and i was watching that all from like a little distance and i was like this is so wrong you know during a pandemic you shouldn't be be stressed about having to do things and paint that wall in your room and do this workout and do that yoga thing. just breathe through it and you know just you don't have to do anything except survive it you know so that's when I decided to just make content for people to enjoy and sit back and relax and just uh, watch my crazy ass to uh, make a makeup routine or a fashion hall or whatever you know, and just literally be entertainment for people to you know bring some ease in people's lives because just like you were saying Travis, some people don't have a uh, a space a home in which they
0: feel uh,
1: loved and welcome for
0: anyone who's struggling at this point in time whether that's due to quarantine or just due to the other multitude of factors of life that can cause the struggle what advice would you give them
2: i guess my advice always is that Nothing is like linear when it comes to our health and our mind. Things don't go in progressive neat curves up; they don't go in curves down. Like we know what it's like to have been happy and then been sad, or feel nothing, or all these different things. So I think for me that always helps remind me that it's temporary, and that even if something doesn't feel temporary, um, that I have felt something else before, and I can work and will feel something else in the future. <laughs>
0: I wanted to have our final conversation be about the word tough and kind of what that means to you and how that has changed through the years what what has that meant to you what does that mean to you what do you see it meaning to you in the future going forward especially after this time um well tough for me literally means for me is
1: like as in my life and in my experience as in getting knocked down but getting up against all odds you know and people literally be cheering like stay down and keep playing on the floor and you are standing up because you're like, as we, sp- as we discussed, like, it's not me, it's you, you know, it's not me who is in the wrong, uh, in my perspective, but you like, there's an issue with, with all of you as, as in how you view me. So yeah, literally get knocked down and stand up. And then for in the future, I guess, uh, being tough is actually being vulnerable and, um, acting from love, you know, as in, I try to do everything in my life as an act of love because hatred is something that's so easy and so accepted in our society. So I guess being tough is literally acting out of love. So yeah, that's that's literally what it means to me. Yeah.
2: I think tough is like, it's so interesting because like the word is something that I think I like really held on to. Like, like again, in my late teens, as like, yeah, I am tough. Like look at all the things I came through and it would be like, I I almost used to use it as a justifier. It's so interesting that you said about hate. Like I think I would use it as a justifier to not always be the kindest person. I would be like, oh, well I'm tough. So like, that's what you're going to get. Like kind of like that reality TV star trope where you see those people that are like, I'm just going to tell you how it is because I'm tough. And that was kind of me. And like, I have compassion for that part of myself. Like I think I understand why I was doing that, like tough is survival it's because you've had to be tough and you've had to get through things but I guess like the toughness that I like now is one that knows that it's like a thing that I can do like it knows that like when shit hits the fan yeah when all this came like no remember like you're tough you know how to survive but I think it's something that I'm not wanting to wear in the same way face forward all the time like I wanna be like, how can it come through in other ways? So I think it's something I'm trying to like rebuild my relationship to, because I think before it was something I wore shallow. Like I think if toughness is shallow, then it can actually not help you get anywhere further. Whereas if you see it as like a part of something that is one part of your many factors of you, then I love it, you know, then it's like the best thing, you know?
0: But also then it's not something that you're wearing to try and prove yes. to other people, yes. which is a natural kind of armor to put on when you have faced things and yeah. when you have faced depression. Um, I said oppression, it sounded like depression, but
2: both. Reliable to both. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah,
0: literally. Both, yeah. <laughs> in, interchangeable at this point. Yeah. Um, no, but... I think
2: you're right. And I love tough people. I think that's not what's said enough. Like, I look at my friends and I look at the people I grab over and I'm like, oh my God, you're all like really tough. But in this yeah. way, that I'm like, you also love really hard. You're also like, uh, are yeah. going into life face first, but you're tough. And I'm yeah. like, I find that like electric about people when I can sense that they've had to push through something to be before me. Then I get excited because I'm like, I think with toughness, you're like, Oh my God. Okay. I see what's on the surface, but I can't wait to learn what's behind this or what's built this toughness, all of that.
0: You know? Yeah. um, Well, thank you both so much for doing this. That was honestly such an articulate conversation and I really admire your ability to be honest and to speak on your experiences so thank you for sharing that with us thank you and finally just before you go doc martins are currently supporting the mental health charity calm so if you or anyone you know has been affected by the conversations in this episode or are struggling in general at the moment please visit their website for help you are not alone you can also support calm through donations via their website the link will be in the description thanks for listening